Well, I wonder this morning what you would consider to have been the most amazing thing you have seen in your life or will see sometime in your future. Have a little think. What's the most amazing thing you think you've already seen or might do in the future? They say about the last few generations that have uh, lived on this world that we've seen more change in this world than any other time in history. Think about the things some of you might have seen. Put your hand up if you saw um, Neil Armstrong land on the moon. Some of you did. That must have been an amazing moment. Probably at the top of the list of amazing things you might have seen or ever see. I think about those generations that lived maybe four or five hundred years ago that used to sail off on ships, not knowing what was on the other side of oceans, and then suddenly discovering a whole new world almost and reporting back the things that they might have seen that no one else, well there were people living there already actually, but from our perspective from those in Europe seeing new things. Or imagine when, was it Galileo who invented the telescope? And suddenly saw all these planets and stars that no one else had ever seen. Must think, I'm never going to see anything like that ever again. I like to think, I like to think, maybe, God willing, if I live a few more years, what might I see in the future that's coming up? Could be amazing things we see. I'm quite looking forward to driverless cars. Anyone looking forward to that one? Will we ever see that day? I can't wait. Take a snooze get to the destination. Or maybe we might see England win the World Cup. That would be the most amazing thing we would ever see. I don't know. Maybe the eradication of certain diseases, passenger trips to Mars, artificial intelligence. Who knows what might be coming in the future that we might say, wow, the most wonderful things we've ever seen. But nothing, though, will ever come as close as to the sorts of wondrous things that some of these people saw in this story this morning. Simeon and Anna. In the temple, Mary and Joseph walk in with Christ. And they hold him in their arms. And it says that they looked into the face of God. Anna and Simeon walked away that day thinking to themselves I will never see anything like that ever again so much so that Simeon says right Lord I can die now not because he's depressed (laughs) but because he's seen something so glorious and wonderful that he says "I I cannot imagine seeing anything other more beautiful than what I've seen and my heart is so full now Lord, just take me home. I wonder if you've ever seen something as wonderful as that, that you would say, I've seen it all. I've seen enough. My heart is full. That's the kind of experience we Christians long for and have known when we come to know Jesus for ourselves. That kind of experience that says, I can walk out of this church and tell the world I've seen something and encountered someone so wonderful, it doesn't matter whether I live or die from this moment on. I've encountered God in the face of Jesus Christ. Is that your testimony this morning? (laughs) 
I want it to be my testimony this Christmas to share in what Anna and Simeon saw. Well, this encounter says that Anna and Simeon were, had been waiting a very long time to meet with the Messiah. In fact, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that in his lifetime, he would see the coming Messiah. Now, that's quite brilliant, isn't it? Because the people of God have been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds of years. And to be told it's going to be in your lifetime must have filled Simeon with tremendous excitement. Because he knew it would be in the next, whatever, few decades. And every day you can imagine he would be looking out for any child that comes along. Constantly visiting the temple to see if he would be coming. And when he does see him, he knows that it is the Lord's Messiah that is coming. The one who would bring a revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Verse 32. And then there's Anna as well. And it says here that she was an elderly lady, at least 84, it says here, and that she had been a widow. Uh, She had only married for seven years, and then she became a widow. So imagine, um, maybe she was married in her early 20s, imagine, and married for seven years, and then between the time she was widowed and the time that she was 84, she decided to dedicate her life to the Lord. And go to the temple every single day to pray and fast. So I can't do the maths immediately in my head. But let's call that maybe 60 years almost. Every day. Waiting and longing to see God's redemption. I find her fascinating, uh, Anna. Because she had experienced tragedy early on in her life. That must have been very difficult. To become a widow at that kind of age. It's difficult to become a widow any age. But becoming a widow at that age, she could have said to herself, oh, the Lord has thrown me a bad life. Life is hard. I'm not sure about this. Or she could have spent a long time trying to recover the situation, maybe look for another husband or a new life for herself to bring it back. But she took the opportunity when life threw her something really difficult. She took an opportunity to say, maybe this is a time I need to give myself to the Lord. Maybe this is something, I don't want to say a welcome opportunity, but a time in life when the best thing to do is to devote yourself to God. I don't know about some of us this morning, we have these turning points in life, don't we? Where we could go one of two ways. We could go down the path of life is too, (coughs) that was too tragic, too awful, too difficult. And we become slightly bitter and hardened in life. Or we could go the way of Anna and say something like this has happened. But I'm going to give my heart fully to the Lord and see what he will do. And in time, after maybe 60 years, she comes and encounters and is one of the first to hold the baby Jesus. And to have everything that she had ever lost in her life given back to her in one moment. More than she could possibly have expected to receive. When you've lost a lot, it can be hard to imagine that you'll ever be full again, right? But when you encounter Christ, he gives more to us than we've ever lost. 
Now, if you look at Anna for a moment, it says in verse 36 that she was a prophet. She was someone that God used to speak to others. And it says here that she was the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. And I thought, well, why is that little bit of detail in there about who she is and her ancestry? Well, just let's just pause on those two things for a moment. She's the daughter of Penuel. Penuel means face of God. It literally means face of God. So she is the daughter of the one who will see the face of God. And as we've already mentioned, when she saw Jesus, it's almost like a fulfillment of her family name that she now gazes into the face of God and has her heart filled, her soul filled. See, that's what salvation is. It is about forgiveness. It is about new beginnings. It is about eternal life. It is about going to heaven. It is about all those things. But all those things only come through a face-to-face encounter and relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how those things come. Salvation is not a formula or um, a rest, just a rescue mission. It is a person. Salvation is Christ. And if you know Christ, you know God. And if you know God, you have life. You have mercy, you have forgiveness, and he is the only one who can fill your soul to overflowing. See, many of us might think in the future, I can't wait till we have all these new discoveries in the world, and I can't wait. These are the things I want to achieve in my life to have meaning and purpose, and we constantly look for the next thing, don't we? That's going to give us, if I just get that new thing, or that next position in life, or that extra bit of time to myself, or whatever it is, my soul will be filled. But anyone who's ever reached their personal goals will tell you, once you've reached your personal goals, they were much less satisfying than you thought they would be. And you look for another goal that's even less achievable. In fact, it can be something of a curse to receive all your goals Except one. Except one. To behold God in the face of Jesus is enough to fill your soul for a thousand lifetimes. A thousand lifetimes. So that you can say, I'm full. My soul is complete and I have salvation. Penuel. Are you a daughter or a son? Of Penuel, the face of God. And then it says that she's of the tribe of Asher. And that's a really fascinating thing about her because if you know anything about the history of Israel, long, long time before this, 10 of the tribes of Israel were captured by the Assyrians and they were taken away from the promised land uh, to Assyria. And history tells us that they were lost forever. They're called the lost tribes of Israel. Judah and Benjamin get taken off to Babylon and they return later to Israel. And they're not lost. But the ten tribes of Israel were lost, gone, never to return. And yet suddenly we see Anna who is of the tribe of Asher. And you're like, what? 
But isn't that amazing that I think Luke's including this because it's almost like someone who was lost has now been found by Jesus. So she's the daughter of Penuel, but she's also of the tribe, the lost tribe of Asher. And that's what Jesus does. That's the business he's in. Even as a baby, he's finding lost people. I find that incredible. I mean, as he grows up, he's going to be a shepherd, isn't he? The shepherd of Israel that goes after and finds the lost sheep. And as uh, Simeon says, a revelation to the Gentiles, not just for Israel, but for the Gentiles, the lost nations of the world. From every tribe and nation, Jesus will be that one who finds the lost. It's an incredible story. The patience of Simeon and Anna, the longing for them to see God's salvation, that's the only thing they're living for, and when they see it, they're completely satisfied. And then Simeon, going back to Simeon, he sings this wonderful song, verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Legend has it that actually, um, now that he's seen Jesus and he's been prophesied that you will live as long, uh, you will live until you see Jesus. That was the promise to Simeon. And now that he has, there's a legend that he just, as he walked away from the temple, he kind of just killed over and died. <laughs> but isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to say that I am ready to be dismissed now? I'm ready. Not ready because he's just fed up and had enough of life. Some of us get to that point. Not that at all. He's at peace, it says here. Dismiss your servant in peace. You know when the angels say to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. We kind of think that's something about suddenly now that Jesus has come, no one's going to be angry with each other. And all the nations are going to be at peace. Well, that didn't happen. So what kind of peace has Jesus brought from heaven? It's this kind of peace, the peace of Simeon, that his heart is now at peace and he can now therefore rest in peace. So few of us get to that point. So few people in this world are ready to meet their maker not just ready to meet their maker, longing to meet their maker. That's where I want to be. I want to be able to sing the song of Simeon because this Christmas I've gazed upon the face of God in Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thing? Far better than all the riches of this world far better than all the experiences or careers you could ever have or achievements or accolades, far better than having a hundred grandchildren around you, as wonderful as that would be, far better than all the aspirations you could achieve. The greatest gift is that we might be able to say now, dismiss your servant in peace. Wonderful. Jesus was worth the wait. And finally, can you imagine as you're Simeon holding Christ in your arms? 
and you've finally seen the one that your heart's been longing to see forever. Finally, you can say, dismiss me in peace because you utterly know God is now Emmanuel with us. With us. You see, in the Old Testament, God was with them. He was sort of throwing down blessings from heaven and doing good things for his people. Or sometimes he was challenging his people. Sometimes he was helping them. Sometimes he was rebuking them. All sorts of things. But until this moment, there's a question mark slightly over, is God really with us? Will he really be with me forever, never to abandon me, never to leave me? Many people approach their relationship with God as a kind of, um, if I do the right things, he will support me. He will bless me. He will encourage me. He'll do things for me. But maybe there's always in the back of our mind a worry that he might just decide not to one day. But once you have held Christ in your arms, once you have known that he has now become one of us, he's joined our side, he's left heaven and become part of my family, not just for a few years, but forevermore, you know he's on your side. You have that relief, that peace of knowing God is with you. And he'll never leave you or abandon you. And he has entrusted himself to you. I find that incredible that Christ allows himself to be put in your arms and he's yours forever. It should give us tremendous hope, tremendous peace, joy, hope, assurance, relief that God is for you. So let's just take a moment in prayer. that we might be sons and daughters of Penuel, that we might be those who gaze upon God in the face of Jesus and see something so beautiful, a shining sun that is so bright and yet our eyes cannot leave it. Our eyes cannot leave him. And as we do that, May the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, this Christmas, may we each behold Jesus. And may he fill our souls to be so full that we're ready to live or die for him and with him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.